Pray always and don't lose heart. Seems simple enough when we say it, doesn't it? But look at this parable of the unjust judge for more than a moment, and any effort to wrap up its meaning in a neat package leaves a bitter taste in our mouth. Thomas Long tells the parable this way, There was an absolutely horrible judge. This judge hated people, and he hated God. He didn't go to church, and he refused to give to the United Way. He's the kind of corrupt judge who makes a mockery out of the title, Your Honor. Unfortunately, appearing in his courtroom was a poor widow who needed justice but had nothing. She had absolutely nothing. She had no money. She had no husband. She had no standing. She had no power. She had no resources. She had nothing. She was so insignificant, she probably couldn't have gotten justice in a good courtroom with a good judge. But here she was in the courtroom of the worst judge in the land. Now, did I say that she had nothing? That's not quite accurate. She did have one thing. She had the capacity to be a pest, to annoy. And when you only have one weapon, you use it. So she annoyed this judge constantly. She shouted aloud for justice in his courtroom. Give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. She knocked on his chamber doors, left messages on his answering machine. She probably even found him teeing off at the country club and went to shouting, give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. Finally, she wore the old judge down. The judge said to himself, you know, I don't care about justice. I don't care about this widow. I don't like people. I don't like God. And I don't care about anybody. But this woman is about to drive me crazy. I'm going to give her what she wants just to get her off my back. So how are we supposed to understand the message, pray always and don't lose heart, using this parable? Granted, I think it's important to say that the most powerful figure in a parable shouldn't always be assumed to represent God. And we certainly wouldn't want to equate God with the unjust judge in this story, because God is just, right? In fact, it seems that the take-home lesson of the parable is something along these lines. If this horrible judge who has no respect for people or fear of God will eventually give in and do what's right when bothered by the persistent widow, then how much sooner will a good God answer God's chosen ones when they cry out to him for justice day and night? All right, so maybe that is the meaning. But for me, that understanding doesn't seem to portray God in a favorable light either. Why wouldn't God just do the right thing in the first place, giving justice to those who need it? After all, God is God. Are we insinuating that God withholds blessings until we ask for them long enough, and then God finally relents and grudgingly gives in, like a tired parent coming home from work at the end of a long day who agrees to an extra 30 minutes of TV in order to get a few minutes of peace and quiet? That's not the image of God I think of when I pray. So what are we supposed to do with this parable? Well, Jesus tells this parable right after he's been talking about the coming of the kingdom. And if we understand that the Gospel of Luke is believed to have been written in the last third of the first century, it makes sense for that discussion about the coming of the kingdom to lead into one about the need to pray and to not lose heart. The early Christians were waiting for Jesus to return and set all things right. 
Many of the first followers of Jesus had expected that return to happen in their lifetime. But here it is a generation later, and the world isn't much different than the way it was when Jesus ascended decades earlier. I imagine they looked around and saw widows, considered among the most vulnerable in ancient society, still being taken advantage of. The temple had been destroyed and Rome still ruled. Persecution of believers was taking place in some locations. I suspect that it was hard not to lose heart. So maybe the hearers of this parable have understood its message as encouragement to continue praying, as a comforting assurance that God is just and will answer their prayers in due time. But now here we are, hearing these words of Jesus almost 2,000 years later, years throughout which prayers upon prayers of faithful Christians have risen toward heaven, and frankly, we're still waiting for things to be made right, for justice to win out. And looking around at all the pain, suffering, and unfairness in the world, it's hard for us to make sense of a promise that God will quickly grant justice to those who cry out. Because if we listen closely enough, we can hear plenty of cries. We hear lots of people bringing their complaints to unfair power structures, searching for justice. So maybe the real question of this parable for us today is this. Do we as the church practice persistence. Surely, if one were to look at our lives as individuals, there's quite a bit of persistence and triumph that can readily be seen. Many of us have persevered through times of economic difficulty, kept searching for months on end before finding a job, waited through years of exams, papers, and educational systems, or committed ourselves for hours upon hours to passionate disciplines such as running, team sports, or musical endeavors. We live in a society that holds up persistence as an ideal, and we immortalize such stories as Dr. Seuss being turned down by the first 27 publishers he went to, or Walt Disney being fired for not having imagination and then going bankrupt several times before founding Disney World or Winston Churchill being defeated in every public election until he became prime minister at the age of 62. Such stories of persistence serve to reinforce the American dream, I know, but that is not my purpose in telling them. What I wonder is simply this. If we were to look at the stories of our churches, would we see similar stories of persistence? Would we see ourselves joining with those who cry out for justice with the same persistence and commitment that we find in all these other areas of our lives? Do our intercessory prayers turn us into a persistent widow, one who keeps coming to the judge over and over? See, prayer here is about longing for change and yearning for the kingdom of God. And so prayer takes on a very active nature. We pray unceasingly, passionately, and without losing heart for God's kingdom to come. And that kind of prayer ends up changing us. We become people of faith. We become the persistent widow, chipping away at the injustices in the world with every can that we give away in the food pantry, every Guatemalan child who gets treated for scabies, every stranger we welcome. We pray always for the kingdom to come, and we become, in the words of Fred Craddock, 
petitioners being hammered through long days and nights of prayer into vessels that will be able to hold the answer when it comes. Today, we baptize Lily Sullivan. Along with Lily, we will be asked this question. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? We'll answer, I will with God's help, knowing that it will take a lifetime of perseverance, hope, and love to live out that promise. Amen.